Hello, hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reef. And this is and Best this is Line. Worst Line. It's been a while, Jess. We've it had a good run at getting it. We, but, but it's been a bit since we've recorded. So, but, yeah. Out of practice a little bit. We're coming in just for a special Christmas episode. Special Christmas, special coma. Well, I guess Lindsay. Yeah, well, Lindsay Lohan isn't really isn't in really a, coma. a coma. When so when deciding, so we just did a Halloween episode because mm-hmm. we couldn't pass up the opportunity to do uh, Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus Two. It was too perfect, and we decided we should probably do a Christmas one too. But there are so many wonderful Christmas movies to cover out there that we had a really hard time kind of narrowing it down. And then I suggested that we did we talk about the Lindsay Lohan movie. And we were trying to figure out movies that go with that. So Jessica then suggested While You Were Sleeping, because you consider While You Were Sleeping a Christmas movie, correct? I do. I do. Okay. Yes. I mean, Did it- it, that's kind of the thing about, like, I want to say, like, 90s rom-coms. They always kind of included holidays just, yeah. like, to help you have like a marker of the time passage, but it wasn't like a feature of the movie necessarily. I do think like with while you were sleeping, I did not remember. I mean, I think I'd maybe only seen it once or twice before, but I did not remember the amount of time that took place at Christmas because it really does take place a lot of it, at least on Christmas day. Right. Well, yes. So his accident is on Christmas. She, right is made to work on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then, but then like, it's kind of a plot device. I think, I think it could have happened really any time. I don't think it mm-hmm. needed to be Christmas. No. But there needed to be reasons for her continuing to be exposed to the family. Right. And so I think that's kind of why it worked to have it around that holiday week because they have to, um, like redo their Christmas dinner because his holiday, he... his injury called them away from their Christmas dinner. And then right. like there's new Year's scenes and stuff like that. So it could have been any, it could have been any time, but she needed that. The family needed those reasons to like keep engaging her. And I think True. the holidays is the easiest way to do that. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think you're right, though. A lot of 90s rom-coms do have Christmas as, like, a marker of time. We definitely see that in You've Got Mail and yep. other see, ones Sleepless as well. Sleepless in Seattle. Um, Sleepless in Seattle. Starts at Christmas, I think, right? It does, but I wouldn't consider that a Christmas movie. I don't I would, I would much more consider this a Christmas movie, but there are some similar, and we'll get into it when we talk about mm-hmm. the movie, there are some similar, I have some similar objections to While You Were Sleeping that I did to Sleepless in Seattle. So the two movies yeah. we decided to cover obviously, were the new Lindsay Lohan movie, um, Falling for Christmas, which, well, what a blessing that that has joined our universe as something we can watch. (laughs) What a blessing. And uh, then (laughs) while you were sleeping. Uh, Jess, which one do you want to talk about first? Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's talk about while you were sleeping. Let's go um, age before beauty. (laughs) Age before beauty. I don't know. I mean, oh my gosh, the 
there were so many takeaways I had from rewatching. I, I think the last time I watched while you were sleeping, I was maybe 12. Like, I think okay, see, it was... that's like the first time I saw it. Probably I was around like 10 or 12. I think that was the first, last and only time I saw it. I was probably around like 10 or 12. Really? So it's see, been a really long time. I watch this movie almost every year. Not every really? year, but, but usually once a winter. I've probably okay. missed a few here or there, but yes, this is a yearly rewatch for me most of the time. And and I thought after we did our, our rom-com deep dive, especially the episode with um, less than appropriate behavior of You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle, Seattle, I thought while you were sleeping, I was going to like overanalyze it, tear it apart, be like, this is terrible. It's really, I have some objections, but... It's not nearly as manipulative as those other, as the other ones. It's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't come off as creepy and as, as sketchy to me as the other two do. Not to no, say there aren't problems she's like... with it, but it's not as, like, I wouldn't classify it as problematic. In the same way. Well, right. you, if we remember, I have decided to suspend all disbelief for you've got mail like to me i have no objections right. um, i mean there are so many problematic things with behavior in that movie but to me there are no objections but for sleepless in seattle obviously and i think that one tracks closer to while you were sleeping um because it's kind of this like it is this fantasy life she has about this guy that she's made up and i i, I do agree that i think while you were sleeping it's like less objectionable than Sleepless in Seattle because like she just like I mean as her ending as up at the she... hospital in the first place is not like she saved the guy's life it would make sense for her to end up at right. the hospital and it wasn't her like pursuing it necessarily she just it kind of got like she said you know out loud I was gonna marry him and the nurse was like why did you say that if you were yeah you know, if it wasn't true so like it's all built on these misunderstandings, but not her actually like stalking him. Right. Necessarily. I think that there is, there are like these little doors ajar to this could be a problem. And they just managed to like never go through the door. You know, they never quite open the door to like making her a problem. You know, no. it's like, well, she's lying. Well, they're forcing her to. Honestly, Saul flat out tells her, do not tell them. I will do it. And he never does it. And, and that makes me, like, also just, like, so mad. Because it's like, don't tell them. And it's just, like, she's trying to do the right thing here. Right. And, like, be And especially like, be once honest. she re recognizes that she has, like, maybe some feelings for Jack, she's immediately like, I have to get out of this situation, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't know how, you know, I think that's, it, it really is like, she's in too deep way too fast, and yes. so then it has to be this, like, slow crawling out, you know, because what this movie is really about is not, it's not... And maybe watching it this time, I realized it a little bit more, is that it's not really about the romance, actually, at all. It's no. about the family. And, and so we really have to, we really are looking at this, the relationship that she has with the family. And 
she has no idea what she's doing at all. No. And she does, well, she's she... never had a family dynamic, you know, it's just been her and her dad. And even then, she doesn't have that. And she because doesn't have a dad anymore. Mm-hmm. He's gone. And so I think, like, you're right. It is so much more about their family dynamic. And, like, it is about love, but not romantic love in the mm-hmm. same way. Like, it is definitely... It's interesting that we chose to pair these two movies because when we get into uh, Falling for Christmas, because I think the reason we chose to pair them was because it's like, oh, there's Amnesia. And, like, Amnesia is a much bigger plot point in um, Falling for Christmas. And he doesn't actually have Amnesia in While You Were Sleeping. um, But they think he does because he doesn't remember the woman that he's never met. Shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but it is a plot point. And so we chose to pair them because of that connection, because we thought it was funny. But, like, other than that, there's not really much, like, overlap as to the stories in the movie. I mean, you have, you know, families, you have uh, remembering lost loved ones at Christmas, which is mm-hmm. an overlap. But there's not really much there. And, I mean, I think, obviously, the Lindsay Lohan one is more of, like, the romance is the part of it. But right. um, this is so much more the love of the family, you know? Yeah. Like, and that I, is what drives the story. Right. And I think that there were some elements of that in the Lindsay Lohan one, too, where, like, she doesn't really feel like she's fitting in. Like, you get that vibe that she's doing these things really performatively, but she's wanting to fit in. And then, like, once she's with cord overstreet's character and his family like mm-hmm. she immediately has this feeling of like a support system and she wants to contribute to that support system and that's kind of what he was looking for and what the daughter is looking for so it does mm-hmm. also have that really wholesome like it does people at the holidays really just want to feel like loved and supported and it doesn't always have to be romantic and so then going back to your like initial point about the use of the holidays in while you were sleeping it really does provide a nice setting for that idea of family if that's the theme of while you were sleeping it's this idea of belonging and family and that is something like as we come up on the holidays like people don't want to be alone on the holidays even if it's like i don't i don't celebrate christmas but I, like, debated not going back to Denver this year because of just, you know, flights and everything. Right. And I decided to go home. But when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, I just don't want to be alone on Christmas. Like, I don't – it's not an important day for me, really. But there's still something about, like, not wanting to be alone on it. And, like, that pull of, like, the holiday family time, there's a lot in this time of year that is very complex and complicated because of – absolutely that idea especially as in lucy's case where she just lost like the one person who was like the mm-hmm. most important person to her yeah i mean kind of the view that i've always had of it is like in in itself it's just a day mm-hmm. but the whole concept of it definitely drives you to to want to at least spend like a day, whatever day you choose, because a lot of families are spread out, and so you can't always do things, like, right on Christmas, Mm -hmm. but something around the season, kind of like what happens in While You Were Sleeping, like, they can't 
do it on Christmas. So then the day after Christmas, they do it over again. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, like, and so I do think it's important, like, for people to maybe give themselves some patience and forgiveness and flexibility in, like, things don't have to happen on those days. But, like, yeah, definitely take some time over this holiday to, like, get together with the people who make you feel comfortable and supported and, you know, like you're and part actually, of a like, family. Well, so going back to, like, the movie and the lines here, like, one of the lines that really stood out for me, I, like, really sincerely don't know if I have... It was like, hard to pick a favorite. Like it was a best. hard to pick a favorite line. Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I one of the lines that like I definitely have a least favorite line. One of the lines that like for sure stood out to me though was I'm trying to find it in my in my notes. She's talking to her boss, and she's like talking to him about like the family, mm. and he like she can't like break all their hearts and everything. And he was like, you don't join a family like you yeah. join the Marines. He says you're and... born into a family. You do not join them like you do the Marines. Yeah. And I thought that was clever, but then I was like, that's exactly the opposite of what this movie is about. She does well, join I think the that's family. The point. Yeah. And I think that's the point of, like, he's wrong in that. Like, she does join the family. But also, that's just, like, wrong in general. It is wrong. Because, like, A, like, if you get married, you're joining a family. Um, yeah. And, like, how many, like... I have so many, like, families I have joined that, are, like, I mean, right. I have, like, I'm very close to my family, and I feel very lucky about that, but I have, like, my my best friend from high school, I'm going to their house on Christmas Eve, because I'm, like, the third sister, my best friend from college, I would, consider like, considers me a part of her family, there's the family of friends that I've created, you know, mm -hmm. your chosen family of people that, and for so many people, especially people in, like, I know this is a big thing talked about in like LGBT, LGBTQIA community, um, especially like watching a lot of drag race. Like there's so much chosen family that goes into things when you're family, like when you don't have a good relationship family, with your right. family. Exactly. So like you're born into a family. Yes. But like you can join a family. And so that line, I don't think that was my worst line either, but it, it just like really irked me. It might be my worst. That was I mean, tied. I had two. Okay. That was, was my one? first one. And then right shortly after that I believe uh, maybe it was a little bit while maybe it was a little after and I just didn't take notes in between but it was the next entry that I put into my notes <laughs> so Jack which is Bill Pullman mm -hmm. he's the brother which like shout out to Pul Bill mm -hmm. Pullman and just instant like oh Ugh. man like even the scene when he first shows up and like which he does not show up until half an hour into this movie. That is... That's that a is long time. Almost yeah. unheard of for a, ro a romantic comedy. Especially when he... he he's the romantic the... lead not to be there from almost the beginning. Well, and that's, like, one of the interesting things about this movie, too, is because, like, they play it that, like, Peter Gallagher is the romantic lead. Right. But he's just in a coma. Because he's even the title character in the movie is Peter Gallagher. While you were sleeping, mm -hmm. Peter Gallagher is the you, Peter. He plays Peter. Um, but on the cover, the poster art is Sandra Bullock and mm -hmm. Bill Pullman. Because yeah. that's really the relationship. Anyway, as you were saying, when he so first gets there. he... Oh, I was just saying that first 
scene when he's sitting on the stairs and he's like obviously incredulous and he's incredulous about her who she is and her relationship to his brother for a majority of the movie and he's right which she's Um, right (laughs) but man like how can he be like he's but he's very bothersome he's quite annoying to her for the first half an hour of them knowing each other he's like hounding her and and calling her out and and just being obnoxious and it is so sexy i can't handle it like he's just how is he like very very sexy while he's also being very annoying to me, because I think it was because it was right. I think like that's yeah, where I was like, he's right. He's he's not like he's not wrong. Like there was one in my notes here. I have um, he's like totally baiting her with mm-hmm. all the questions that he's asking, like trying to catch her in like a in a lie. I hate it, but it's also like I got like I hate the way he's going about it because he's totally baiting her and being an ass. But he's also he like he knows something's up. He's uh-huh. like, this is weird. Like, this is... And so he's also, like, not wrong, but the way he goes about it, I'm like, you're just being a jackass. Yeah. After he's had a couple hangouts with Lucy, the Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. character, and we know that they have feelings for each other, he is... It's like the last night that Peter's actually in a coma, I believe. Oh, the playing cards scene, And they're yeah. playing cards, and he... It's all very, like, sweet... You know, he's being brotherly. He's talking about, like, you get the sense that he he really cares for Lucy and he's really torn up about this whole thing. And then, Mm -hmm. and they're playing poker. um, Or he's playing poker (laughs) with himself. Yeah. And then he, like, puts all the cards together and then he's like, all right, I'll cut the deck two times, once for you and once for me. High card gets Lucy. And I know he's just playing around, but I'm like, ew, no. This, yeah, no. I... It was totally unnecessary. Like, right. we had this really good scene. Mm-hmm. We saw what we needed to see. This isn't funny. And it's dumb. And it's gross. So it shouldn't be in there. That was my that was my other worst That line. was your worst line. High line. card, high gets, card Lucy. gets Lucy. Um, I think I'm going to go with... Um... I think I'm going to go with um, you don't join a family like you join the Marines. Because, like, even though, I mean, it's hard because I feel like it does serve that character. That character is trying to be, like, a voice of reason. But, like, I also just think he's wrong. Like, I don't think it's, even for that character, I think it's just, like, that's not a true sentiment regardless. Like, yeah, you true, don't just, because like. because they even have almost a familial relationship. Like, you definitely yes. get the feeling that he's a stand-in father role for her you Mm -hmm. know and so yeah it just seems very short like very short-sighted and dismissive and just like a rotten thing to say (laughs) I also just like took issue with that character in general because like even at the beginning when he's like asking her saying he's gonna like nominate her for employee of the month he's only doing that because he's asking her if she'll work christmas he's like basically reading this letter that he wrote nominating her saying that she also worked christmas and Mm -hmm. that was him asking and she's like no i'm not working christmas and then he's like but you're the only one who's alone i'm like what a jackass like so invite her over like yeah exactly you know 
Like, if you do care, like, look out for her this much, like, no, I, he was just, to me, that character had, like, I understood, like, he's the, like, voice of reason in a way for her, but I don't feel like he was a good voice of reason. No, no, he doesn't ever, like, seem to actually want to be helpful either. No. Most of the time... He seems like he's just listening to her so that he can get to, like, whatever he needs to say that's work-related or whatever. You know, it's all very much like, you're being crazy and I don't want to hear about this. Yeah, no. (laughs) And I have no advice to give you. Which, to be fair, I don't know what advice I would give to a person in that situation, you know, other than exactly what he does continue to tell her, like, you gotta tell the truth. And she's like, well... Yes, I know, but I can't. And that was another big... That was probably the only other big problem I had with this movie is in my brain, I thought... And this was, like, similar to what Julissa said about You've Got Mail. She's like, I thought that there was a scene where, like, she was angry. Yeah. You know? And there's not. I thought Mm -hmm. there was a scene where Saul had to, like, fess up that he was the one that told her to keep her mouth shut and he doesn't he never no we never see that Saul has had to like stand up and say I'm sorry I knew and I I told her to play along for a while I really thought he did in the church or whatever and he does not and he should have you know not that they it's not that they care and I guess you know because they accept her anyway and they realize that it was just like a misunderstanding and a mistake and she wasn't trying to lie to them or manipulate them or anything right but but I still felt like she shouldn't have had to take all the heat for it when she was not really the one like making the choice yeah but she also like she could have yeah I mean she could have she could have at any time Yes. It's, I mean, it's also think like the thing about and this is, it's it's so just a suspension of disbelief in this just like the way things happen too. I mean, mm-hmm. just the whole I mean, none of this is realistic at all. Right. Like she could have said something but like also as you said it just like happened so fast. Mm-hmm. It, but it's also like I don't know. I don't think she's completely innocent, but I agree. She should have gotten mad at Saul. She shouldn't have taken all the heat. Right. Yeah, I don't think, like, yeah, she could have done it at any time. And we kind of get the feeling there's a couple times she's just going to go do it. Mm-hmm. But, like, he definitely heavily coerces her. Like, almost threatens her. You know, before before she even the, knows the, the, that, I wouldn't want anything to help or hurt yeah, this family. I like, neither would I. Like, but, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he doesn't... She coercive. doesn't know... She doesn't know that he knows yet. And then, like, the next day, he's like, I heard you. So when I was saying that to you on the steps, that was a threat. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but then they immediately come to an understanding where she was like, you know, obviously not going to try to do anything to your family. This was a mistake. And I want to be honest. And then he's like, no, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. Because the grandmother is going to die. Basically. Yeah, that, that's basically that's, what he continues to tell her is if you yeah, say something, her. a woman will die. <laughs> okay. Yes, you're going to cause this woman to have a heart attack. This woman with major heart problems. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. there's so much about that family dynamic, too, that I was just like, okay, they have this super close family, but also not. 
because I don't know anything about Peter, but I think that's like by Peter's design. And so there was this point where he's like, you gave them Peter back. And it felt like it wasn't just because he was in the coma. It felt like, oh, because like he's kind of like gone off away from his family. Right. It's a vicarious relationship. They feel like being a part of Lucy's life Mm -hmm. is an extension of being involved in Peter's life. Yes. Yeah, but, but they I mean, don't seem they to so know Jack very well either, because no. the whole thing with his, you know, his furniture building, uh huh, and that they know that barely anything about. Right. The other thing, speaking of Jack and the family, a very close second for me for worst line was when they're standing under the mistletoe and then like telling him oh to kiss her. Oh my god! This and it's scene. Like, I like. Okay, they're so they're standing. So it's like a Christmas dinner or like after Christmas dinner. Lucy's leaving. Jack's like they're walking her out. Jack's mm-hmm. walking her to her cab, and um, they get there. They're at the like doorway, and mm-hmm. there's mistletoe above it. And the sisters like, oh, like there's mistletoe, and they're like, oh my gosh, you all have to, you have to kiss her. It's tradition, mm-hmm. and like just being that. Like, yeah. the family going on, which is, like, annoying. Okay, first of all, mistletoe is problematic in general. Yes, but, it like, is. it's really problematic because he's – she – for their in case in point, like, she's engaged yeah. to his brother, like, and they're basically, like, kiss her. The one and, the grandma like, says, yes, kiss her, know. you idiots. Right, and it's, like, that's when you would – like, A, also problematic, <laughs> but that's when you would say, like, if he's, like, dating her. Yeah. I just like, why do they want Jack to kiss her so badly? Yes. Yes. This is, like, why? Yes, there's all, you hear, you feel the chemistry there. Like, there's that, you you know that they have a, like, Jack, that's like, we've started to see Jack and Lucy obviously have a rapport by then, but, like, the family hasn't. They still think she's engaged to Peter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did not understand that scene at all. At all. I do like the scene right before it, though, like, when they're at the dinner table. And I think this is so, like, encapsulates what works, what the parts that work they're about all the movie. just talking? Yes. I think, it's like, so that good. is, like, almost, like, that, honestly, that scene, I cheat so much with best lines. Um, but, like, that oh, yeah. scene might be my best line because I think it encapsulates so much of the feel of the movie. It's, like, just being a part of that fam, yeah. like, a family where it is chaotic, like, one person's t- like saying heights of different heights. actors. Then they start then, talking and, about beef. Argentina has great beef. Beef and Nazis. And na- beef and Nazis. I wrote that down that line. And then somebody <sighs> says someone who was short. And they're like, hey, that's not tall. I didn't say he was tall. I said he was five foot six. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, um, and then the mom's like, these mashed potatoes are so creamy. Like she keeps bringing the mashed she- potatoes. Yeah. Uh huh. And so I guess good. this is after this is after they'd kind of gone on that, like delivered the couch to his apartment. And... Yeah, and they're just kind of staring across each other at the table, like laughing at how ridiculous his family uh-huh. is. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. So I don't know. I love that scene. I thought that was just like so indicative of like what she's searching for in a family mm-hmm. and all of that thing. What was your best line? My best line? Okay, I didn't write the whole thing down, but I'm Mm going to try to pull it out of my memory. And this was tough. Like, I really kind of looked over everything and just didn't... This is really the only thing that I remembered, like, stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a really good 
I just think it's a really good rom-com line. I'll say that. Like, I think it's just a solid rom-com entry. It's a well-written line for a romantic comedy. And Jack's totally in love with her. He's, like, all in, and he's now pissed. Like, he's Peter's awake, and he's just pissed that Peter, Mm -hmm. Peter really seems to like Lucy, even though he doesn't remember her. And right. Peter's kind of going on and on about how he, he doesn't remember her, but he's going to go ahead and marry her anyway. Because right. she seems really great. And they're moving him to, like, out of the ICU into, a, you know, he's stable now, so they're going to move him into a different room. And Jack is pushing his wheelchair, and they're waiting for the elevator. And Jack says, I, I'm going to... I probably will just drop in the audio, but I'm going to see if I can get it correctly. But he says, she just gets right under your skin and she stays there. You can't tell if you want to hug her or really, really arm wrestle her. Yeah. (laughs) She would go all the way to Europe just for a stamp in her passport. And I don't know if that makes her crazy or really likable. (laughs) And I think just the, just, it's not your typical, it's not super cliche it seems really real, like real words that a real guy like Jack would say. And uh-huh. and I think it's delivered just adorably by uh, Bill Pullman. So that was, that was mine. And I really also like to cheat. One of the things that has always stuck out to me from this movie, I can't pick it because it's a whole scene, but the whole leaning, the leaning... Oh, the leaning light. That line scene. is so good. It's so good. And then Joe Jr. is like, he's leaning. He's uh, leaning. Which, like, <laughs> Joe Jr. Joe Jr. Joe is Jr. great. Is, and he's a great, great and also, character. like, terrible. Oh, like, yeah. so, when he's like, in her closet uh, and she hears, like, the bang in between, the, uh, like, Saul comes and then Jack comes, but in between, she hears this bang and he's like, I fell. And she's like, are you trying on my shoes? He's like, when I fell, my foot went right into the shoe. (laughs) But, like, he also, then, like, while he's talking to Jack, you hear, like, clonking from the closet. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he is totally trying on the shoes. Like, for sure. Uh, I mean, Joe Jr. was, like, annoying in the way that, like, okay, this is the mid-90s. You do have this kind of, like, machismo type of character, like. Oh, Which, what oh, is this gross. guy doing in Chicago, though? Right. He definitely I, well, <laughs> seems like he belongs in Brooklyn first... or Jersey or something. Right, exactly. Like, I was, like, watching... Like, his accent is not a Chicago accent. No. It's straight out of Brooklyn. And I was, like, what? like, the first ten minutes of the movie, I was, like, convinced they were in New York. And then I was, like, wait a sec. Chicago that... Transit Authority. Right, right. Like, <laughs> I think it was because of, like, him... Yeah, because of that, I was like, oh, he's, they're in New York. And then I was like, no, they're not. They're in Chicago. Um, I really wanted one of my best lines to come from, like, one of the speeches that somebody gave. Because, like, there were some good speeches in here. But I think it was really hard to, I think because the speeches, they were speeches, it was hard to, like, pin them down to a line and say, I think that was my best line. But I think, like, I do think I have, like, a close best line from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, the whole wedding is such a whatever. But it kind of goes back to that scene that I was talking about. And she, so at the very end, she's, like, 
confessing basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I might've saved your life on the tracks that day, but you know what? You really saved mine. You allowed me to be a part of your family. And I haven't felt that in a really long time. And I just didn't want to let go of that. Um, so even though it was just for a little while, I will love them always. And I think that's so, I mean, I don't think there's anything super profound about the line. I don't think it's be- like super well crafted or anything like that. But I do think that is like the summary of the movie in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, like, yeah. I mean, obviously that is the summary of the movie. Like I wanted that to be my best line because like, I so wanted that idea to be like, Oh, this is like the summary of the movie. But I was like, it's just not to me. I don't think it is like the way it's said. I wanted it to be better. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Yeah. But I loved, I thought Sandra Bullock's portrayal was lovely and I mm-hmm. would fall for her. She's also, I mean, like, this movie was made in 95, so everybody's, you know, like, almost 30 years younger. Um, But, like, Peter Gallagher is so young. I know. Peter Gallagher is so young. Yeah, I'm, like, sitting there going, man, I I don't even know when the last time I've seen this guy with black hair is, like. No. (laughs) It might have been the OC, but even then. Starting to gray. Starting to gray. Starting to salt and pepper. But because that was 10 years later. What about center stage? Was he dying his hair oh. on center stage? I don't know. Hmm. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen center stage yeah, I haven't too. watched that one in a while. I do have to say, like, I'm glad that I've watched this again, but it was hard to get through for me. Like, I just didn't find it super compelling. I. It's really <sighs> subtle. It's, it's so like, you think of it, it is. if you, you think of it like, um, next to, really any of the 90s rom-coms like big 90s rom-coms and it's very it's and and I like that maybe that's why I rewatch it a lot it's like for me it's very comforting mm-hmm. because it's not like loud and colorful and like really in your face and anything and it's just it's just kind of a good like put it on and just relax type movie it it isn't super Oh, that's so funny. Like, it doesn't grab I found it you so and it's stressful. Not... Really? <laughs> yes, because of the whole, like, I think maybe the reason, like, I didn't well, I find remember it, like, it. I found like, it I've hard to, it. So right, no you've seen it, so you know, me. exactly, and I hadn't seen it in a while, and obviously I knew, like, she was going to get, like, it was all going to come out in the open, but knowing that she was lying or, you know, mm-hmm. omitting information, and I was like, it made me so stressed every single time that there was a scene that I was like, Oh no, she was going to get caught. And I like, it was like, I think it made it much harder to watch for me. Yeah. I think it's just cause I've seen it so many times. Like I know every beat in the movie and, and it is like, this isn't what this podcast is necessarily about, but like the cinematography and the costumes and like, it's almost drab, you know? Yeah. It's very realistic in that way. Like they don't dress people to be cute oh. or, or sexy or gorgeous or anything like that. Right. I feel like they look like it's a little warmer than winter in Chicago, actually. There were several times that I'm like, Sandra Bullock, That's where not, is your right. scarf? Well, like, I mean, they uh, talk about it, though. They do. Like, he's like, you're going to freeze in that coat. That is not, you know, the first time they, they're when they're walking, like, on the bridge yeah. or the river. And she's like, well, it's my dad's. So... She's wearing it for sentimental reasons, not because she actually thinks she's going to stay warm in it. I don't know. I just thought it is very subtle. The humor doesn't, like, hit you over the head. None of it's loud. None of it's, uh, you know, flamboyant or laugh out loud or anything like that. But it is really, it is really witty. 
you know, it is. like and we it's... talked about, like the families, just their interactions are really like quick and, uh, and conversational. I think like, that's maybe why that scene, the dinner scene was like my favorite scene in the movie mm-hmm. because it was subtle, but it was like, oh yeah, this is so accurate as to how right. family conversations like that go. Mm-hmm. And so it, that really stood out to me. I think that's why that was probably my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, everything else made me so stressed. I was like, this is so stressful. <laughs> I also loved when he, somebody was like, she was like, you're pregnant. Um, and the way that she was, like the, the co-worker, when they thought that she was oh, pregnant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she goes, yeah, I'm pregnant. And then she goes, we're waiting. And then the disgust that the co-worker <laughs> says waiting, waiting with is just so, <laughs> like she's just. So good. Yeah, it was really, I really appreciated that part. I also meant to go look and and look up this scene. The scene with the ice, when they're like, he's walking her back oh, to yeah, her yeah, apartment yeah. and they start slipping on the ice. That had to have just been them laughing. Like, it is oh, such sure. genuine laughter, especially out mm-hmm. of Sandra Bullock. And like, the look on Bill Pullman's face for part of it is like, what the hell is going on? Like... I was laughing, just laughing at them laughing. (laughs) Yeah. It was so cute. So, yeah, I enjoyed, I'm glad I watched While You Were Sleeping. I don't think it's one that I would necessarily visit again and again, but Mm -hmm. I can see where it is comforting in that way as well. Right. Now, should we pivot to our other movie, which was a very, if we're talking about subtle for While You Were Sleeping, um, this is the, I mean, the polar opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts with Lindsay Lohan getting caviar for breakfast, getting right. fed caviar for breakfast. She is in over the top, like this over the top heiress who is just like her, like talk about wardrobe. Her yeah. wardrobe is fantastic. Here's the thing that, so yes, the visuals were all like really bright and engaging and everything was like moving really quickly and everything like that in the opening scene. But also I felt like her delivery of like all of those lines in the beginning was really flat. Yeah. You know? I did too. I felt like the whole, all the dialogue between her and Tad and then the dialogue between her and her dad, which also in a movie where you're going to be saying the word dad a lot, don't Don't name name someone Tad. Boyfriend Tad. Ted, fine, sure. But he was also, but he was British, so why not give him, and he was, like, British and he had money, so why don't you give him, like, a snooty British name to be funny? Tad, because there were a couple times that I, she was saying Tad, and I thought she was saying Dad, and I was like, oh, did, like, you know, I looked down for a second to take notes or something like that, and then I'd look back up and I'm like, no, it's still Tad. Okay. I thought we switched scenes or something. Um, But yeah, it just all seemed like the lines and the line delivery didn't quite match the energy of like all the stuff that was going on in the beginning. I yes, did like, like the, line, the glam squad. Right. And this is your glam squad. I did like, you did the, like line, the line. Uh, I want to be remembered as more than the daughter of a hotel magnate. So obviously we're poking fun at her old, uh, her old bud, Paris Hilton in this yep. one. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. There was a lot that we were, I mean, I do have to right. say like for Lindsay Lohan's return to the cinema, there was a lot of very self-aware poking of mm-hmm. things. And I really did appreciate that. The perhaps one of my favorite moments in the movie was when they're in the car and Jingle Bell Rock comes on and yes. she's like, Oh, I love mm-hmm. this song and turns it up at, and it, and it's exactly that part. 
what a bright time, which is the part that she starts singing in Mean Girls Mm -hmm. when the music gets kicked off stage. And so I was like, this is a great callback. I I was, I was here for that moment. Yes. Yeah. I actually don't know if I picked a worst line for this. I will say, sound the alarms. We have a handkerchief alert (laughs) in this movie. I thought of you immediately. Yes. (laughs) Oh God. When is that? I just wrote handkerchief alert and now I don't remember. I think I it's really, when I don't remember it's either. after she, after he kind of got on her case about the laundry, I think. And oh, yep. Yeah. She goes on a walk and then he overhears her in the stable. So let's, since this is a kind of a new, well, it is a new movie. It's a brand new movie and people may not have seen it and might be listening and they don't care to watch it. Basically Which, this movie is overboard, just yes. less problematic. Overboard, very problematic. Very problematic. So, uh, so um, funny. Like, okay, I think we this to... is the same thing about like with while you were sleeping. Um, uh-huh. Is that same thing? I saw all these things where I was like, this could have been problematic, and they like chose to sidestep it. They chose to like walk around it. They're like, we see that this could be a problem. Like again, overboard. You know, he knows exactly who she is, and he essentially kidnaps her and forces her into vengeful servitude (laughs) and they they sidestep that with this movie saying he doesn't recognize her and i didn't really remember the scene too terribly much where they bumped into each other as to like why he wouldn't remember her but then in the bloopers they show that and she has on like big sunglasses hat huge but also but also Lindsay lohan has like an extremely distinctive voice and mouth and so he should i'm i'm not really quite believing that he that he wouldn't recognize her but at the same time too like in that scene he doesn't know that she's she's the daughter of true like the hotel magnet like so so Lindsay lohan's dad owns this like really they're amazing in like park city resort yeah something um, like that park city yeah. vale aspen something like that mm-hmm. and he owns this like spa resort that's like and super it, super bougie and i would say that it's implied that he owns others obviously yes, across like the country is, or the world yes he is a hotel magnet and at the same time there's this like family owned inn owned by cord overstreet and they're struggling because like you have like people are just not going to the inn as much as they are going to this like big fancy hotel, which or, like or or doing Airbnbs, yeah, or other things like that. And so he asks the hotel magnet for um, an investment in his property, and the hotel ma- magnet is basically like, "Uh, sorry, have to like yeah. make my own investors happy." His 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 assertion is that. Their actual ski runs are too mm-hmm. difficult and too expensive yep. for beginners, which is true, and that he offers more comprehensive ski lessons and has better better runs for beginners. And so if they could yes. act as like almost a satellite and feed people, beginner skiers, into his resort for skiing. Yes. Which doesn't really get brought back up again. Until... Not really, except for when they are trying to pay him for, like, the ski lessons right. later, but not really. Their little run-in, 
So when he's leaving and she's leaving, yes, they run into each other, which, okay, this was hysterical, this line that Tad says, this local yokel body slammed my girlfriend and ruined her haute couture. <laughs> I just a, thought what, that was, what was great. The, what was the designer's name, too? Because it was, like, something ridiculous. Oh, I Valignetti or yeah, something Yeah, like or something like that. Valignaghi. The Valignaghi, not yeah. the Valignaghi. Um, also, like, I hated Tad. You're supposed to hate Tad. He's supposed to be ridiculous. But, like, the boost on the socials, like, I love... Like, the dad had some problems, but, like, his reaction to Tad when they had that first lunch together was, like, he was, like, just who is this dipshit? Right, like, right. Who is this guy? Here's my problem. Here's my – I thought that Tad had some really funny moments, and I thought the delivery by the actor was all, like, spot Great. on. Just really funny stuff. Here's my problem with with Tad as a character is that Tad as a character is social media as a plot. And I'm yes. really, really exactly. on the fence leaning towards falling over into, I don't like it. No. It's and I think really, like... it's really, we don't see it yet, but it's going to not only date a lot of these movies made in this era, but it's going well, to yeah. make them confusing. It's going to make them very confusing. And, right, and the, the, because... you know, it's this whole idea that, like, you know, movies, we still understand a lot of movies that were made before we had this technology because the plots weren't reliant around it. Mm -hmm. And and we just, like, whatever technology was there at the time, it was just treated, it wasn't treated as part of the, the movie, you know? It wasn't yeah. like, uh, you know, we're you've got mail, obviously. We understand that, and it's it's outdated, but we still get it. It wasn't yeah, email's still a thing. We're not getting into like the the nitty gritty of like these subcultures and pockets of I don't the even know what to say. Right, like there's this assumption that all of these things will be a thing still for a long time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or at least for the foreseeable future. And I guess I, because I'm older, because we're older, and because we've lived through many changes in the media realm and the technology realm, it's like, I don't feel like any of this is permanent whatsoever. And so when you lean completely into that with your plot and your, or your characters or whatever, like, I just think that very much does your movie a disservice in its rewatchability because 10 years from now influencers might not be a thing and this movie could have been completely rewatchable without that element you know i, I don't mean, know i think like i think there there will still be like an understanding of it kind of like you know how you've got me like it's we don't have some of that stuff today anymore but like I think there will still be an element of it. Like there's always been like the people who are just famous for being famous and you don't exactly know why. Right. But like what really irked me was just like, I mean, and it's, it's so like he, he played it so well. He was just such a like overblown character. And I think like it served the movie well because it was campy. He was ridiculous. Like it was exactly that. And they just like found him irksome, which is like actually the actor in the movie doing his part because yeah. that is yeah. exactly what he was supposed to be. I think one of my favorite lines he says was like that first meeting with the, with her and the dad. And oh, my, I think my biggest problem with him is you get the sense that he's indifferent to her. Like they've, 
they have kept their relationship a private. Like she, he didn't want her on his socials before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, Oh no, I'll help you like boost your cred. And I'm like, you're an ass. Yeah. Um, and the dad's like, you're a dipshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like all of a sudden the next scene he's proposing and I'm just like, okay, that is like, it's, he seems just so indifferent to her and like right. not really caring. So like, I get the, like using it as a like Instagram moment for him. But also then it was like, I, he, it didn't feel like he should be proposing because like he didn't really care about her, but like, that's also the character. So who knows? Right. But going back to that scene with the dad, when they're at lunch, he says, like, they ask, the dad asks how they met. And Tad says, you know how it is. One day, there she is. In the coffee shop of life, Sierra's a venti. And I was just like, what a stupid lie. <laughs> but I loved it so much. In the coffee shop of life, Sierra's a venti. And I was like, that makes no sense. And yet, it makes all the sense in the world, too. Yeah. So loved that. And just, like, every moment he showed up on stage or stage screen with the survivalist, like Tad and the oh, survivalists were some of the funniest moments in this so movie. So funny, it was yeah, so random. And I know we needed to get the engagement to get the moment where she like the ring is too big, and so she yeah. falls backwards down a mountain, and that's how and she hits her head on a tree, like and gets amnesia and goes to the hospital and gets amnesia and is very demanding when she's in the hospital because that's I love that is. scene. That, that whole was great. scene when they're all in the hospital trying to figure out where she's gonna go. Uh-huh. And like, what is his name? What is the guy's name? Now I'm totally blanking on it. Court Overstreet? Yeah. I don't remember his character's name either. <laughs> I feel like it was Jake, but that's because Jake. I think they're all, they always should be. Was it, it Jake? Jake? Am I making? Yes. It, because that is that's like the, the quintessential, quintessential. Like mountain, Jake, mountain Jack. single dude. Yeah. Yep. So or Jake. especially in these type of movies too. Like yeah. how, I would love to run a study of how many in Hallmark movies or any like Hallmark Lifetime any of the romantic type of those movies, how many char- how many romantic leading character male characters are named Jake? Because Jake. I would venture I would venture yeah. that is uh, 50%. over fifty percent. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna say that is that is a high number. So Jake immediately offers to take her back to his lodge because he's had cancellations so he has plenty of room. And then she's just really being bratty. And he's like, you know what? I don't have to take her. This doesn't seem like a good idea. Maybe she should stay here. And the nurse is just like, oh, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and then when he gets there and talking to the sheriff and uh, she's awake, that's a good thing, right? And the nurse says, that depends upon your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also like they're she's asking for her clothes and they're like the ER team had to cut you out and I'm like, why did they have why? to cut her out of the clothes? I I guess they were tight and they couldn't figure out where they were fastened, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I guess that makes sense if she's like unconscious and needed to get her into like surgery or something like that. Yeah, but, but she also, didn't have like, surgery. Or like into an MRI. But True. like still I I bet it, it had a very exact... large dipper tipper zipper right down the front yeah, yeah. I, was I like, thought why, the same thing I'm like why Why do we have to cut her out of her clothes it was funny it made for a funny like yeah. moment but probably not necessary I also love that when she asks like later when she's at the lodge and she asks the daughter for a blow dryer it's like the tiniest blow dryer mm-hmm. in the world it's like one of those travel ones yeah and then we get to the next scene and her she's blow drying her hair 
but her hair is dry. Is dry. In perfect waves. (laughs) Right. So... So, again, there was another thing, like, this is another thing about this movie that I was like, okay, we're, we're definitely, like, relying a whole lot on a lot of, like, impermanent things, because he's, like, when he was also saying that, like, they were losing business to not only the nice big lodge, but the Airbnb business. I was like, that's another thing that might not be a thing for very long, you know? There are problems with it currently, and a lot of people are trying to introduce legislation that would reduce its capabilities and things like that because it's a problem. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I just see a problem with this because that lodge is perfect, it's adorable, and I definitely do see, like, the trend being more towards people going to those kinds of places and not the big fancy ones. Yeah, I would definitely go to the small lodge over yeah. the big fancy resort. I spent, well, in that instance, I would. Right. But I don't know. It's just like, so the he, Cordover Street, Jake, has a daughter. He's lost his wife when the daughter was really young. Or no, it was two years ago. Um, the daughter's still really young. And the do- the I believe it's the like mother-in-law lives with yeah. them. They go to this wishing tree, and the 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 fact that like the wish like the Santa was like eyeing the wish when they, she writes the wish and puts it in the thing, and he's like yeah. eyeing it. There's that kind of like magical moment where like the wish jumps out and like flies away. We later learn, or I guess we learn kind of early that she like wishes for her dad to find love, mm-hmm. which like also that hadn't been set up before. Like, I feel like the what we were wishing for for the dad at that point was, like, money to keep the lodge going or, like, keep the lodge Yeah, open. just help. But, like... Just help, help in general. Not a woman to love him, but... Right. And, and that's what I was confused about, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, I just thought that, obviously, the daughter wants to see him be happy and is right. very accepting of Sierra slash Sarah. Yes. I thought that she saw the value of, like, having someone around to, like, support him and help him and not necessarily, like, I need a new mom and he needs a new wife, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I could have done without all the magic, all the Santa stuff. I didn't think it was necessary. She can make a wish and think it came true, whether it's magically coming true with a weird Santa guy or not. And I kind yes. of completely forgot about the Santa guy until he showed back up toward the end. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, we didn't, we really didn't need any of the, ma- the like, implied magic, implied Santa Claus stuff at all. I think it was just completely unnecessary. <laughs> right, and also, like, I think, I mean, obviously we're going to get them together, and but, like, with the wish thing, it was like, I guess, like, oh, you're, it's a kid who wants, like, her dad wants help, and, like, in a kid's mind, like, that might mean falling in love, you know? Right. But we just don't get any lead-up to that, that that would be the thing that she would wish for. Like, we don't yeah. have any, like, oh, dad's lonely, or, oh, you know, any of that. He's, like, not. Yeah, <laughs> He's he doesn't just seem lonely his lodge. at all. Right. So, uh, it's, like, this feels like a weird thing to wish also later when he was like you used your wish on me or you wasted your wish on me or something like that i was just like that's a weird thing to say (laughs) yeah and she didn't waste it what a mean thing to say so did you have a best line so i mean yeah best line for this movie that's kind of hard 
yeah. it was hard. There were a lot of I like, I can't really... say this was like script, uh, right. A plus script writing. There were some really cute lines. There were some really funny lines. Um, yes. and in the end I went with, I guess I went with something that I felt like did represent the movie and the point of the movie and how, and, and it's kind of a little self-referential, my choosing of it as well. Okay. Is, um, when they're talking about, like, she screws up the laundry, she dumps the whole thing, which I didn't know that laundry soap, even if you put all the laundry soap in there, I didn't think it bubbled. But I could be wrong. No. I've never dumped an entire so. thing. But she accidentally drops the whole thing of laundry detergent in, bubbles all over the laundry room. He gets really frustrated and says, this is the last thing I need right now. She goes out for a walk, goes up to the horse, Balthazar, and pours her heart out about how, you know, lonely she's feeling and how she feels like a worthless human because she doesn't know who she is and she has no skills. Mm -hmm. And he is magically, like, he must have ran to the stable and she must have taken a very long walk (laughs) because he's now from the laundry room, now he's in the stable. Um, Mm -hmm. And he hears her and he feels bad. Then she falls while she's trying to carry some wood and then they they kind of have their first little like heart to heart this is the handkerchief alert because right, she's right, crying right. he gives her the handkerchief and she like Ugh. blows so much snot into it and then tries to hand it back and he's like it's yours now <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't understand this reference go back and listen to our um catfish allergies episode covering you've got mail where Melanie chose as her worst line, not a line, but the entire concept of handkerchiefs. <laughs> yes, because they're gross. So is that your best line? No, no, no. It's yours now? <laughs> no. So, like, wow, Josh, that's so he's, quite the line to choose. He's pouring his, his thoughts and feelings about what's going on with his life and his business, saying, you know, your dad, she doesn't know it's her dad, but this hotel, these luxury spas and resorts and stuff um with all the bells and whistles are taking the business away from uh, these older places that have been here for generations and blah blah Mm -hmm. blah and he says i still think that there's something really special about the simple things yes that was my okay if i was going to choose one line (laughs) that was the one like because it there is. I mean, and that's like the antithesis to like her whole life is like, yeah. it's not simple at all. And that, yeah. It's just finding something special in the simple things. Right. So yeah. And, and that so was I, my best line too. Yeah, I definitely, um, and that's a simple line. One of the most simple, least complicated <laughs> lines. It wasn't trying to be funny. It wasn't trying to be romantic. And it wasn't trying to be overly, there were so many lines that were so overly like right too sweet like there was the like um it wouldn't have been possible none of this would be possible if we didn't have a very special guest staying at the lodge like so many of them were like that is so so forced and cliche and when you think about it too like on the whole this definitely is exactly what it sets out to be and i don't watch a ton of this genre i have maybe i watch very hallmark christmas movies in my life um, but yeah, this is, this movie is very much stripped down to like the scenes that it needs to have and the tropes mm-hmm. that it needs to have. And it does that well. I mean, it does it well. It's, if this is what you're looking for, you want a 
cute, entertaining Christmas romantic comedy. This hits every mark. How yeah. it does it is open to debate, right? You know, we've yeah. got we've got some superfluous um, care. You know, some some things that maybe go a bit over the top. But in terms, I would of watch just... an entire miniseries about Todd and the Survivors. Oh yeah, 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 like would watch. Oh, that. absolutely. But like in terms of just being, uh, like it hits the formulaic marks for yeah. its audience and and really does have like this nice message of they kind of go about this the whole like successful woman goes back to small town and meets rancher lumberjack dude whatever like yeah it's the plot a for little every bit single... differently um yeah but we still have this message and i think that the message in in this movie was very similar to while you were sleeping because i don't think she just fell in love with him no it was she the daughter and the... needed she needed like real deep human relationships that meant something to her and it even helps her realize like the importance of the relationship with her dad you kind of get the feeling she doesn't see her dad as much as he would like and he's very invested in her but like doesn't know how to relate to her so that's why I think why kind of he they keep saying that he offered her the job to take care of her but I think he offered her the job so that they'd be close so that yes. he could have like a professional relationship with her and have that be an open like a way to open up more of an adult friendly relationship because he feels like he doesn't have a relationship with her like he even says hey I'll get you set up with an office and it can be right next to mine. Like, so he's trying, he wants to be close to her. And in the beginning she's pushing away because she just doesn't have like the priority for that type of relationship. But right. once she's had this time with Jake and his family and understands like the importance of just having people who accept yeah. you and support you, then she's immediately like, I want to have a relationship you know, with my dad, even if it doesn't include this job. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. I think she just well, was looking. Yeah. She just needed like relationships, which is kind of the same. Like, and I didn't really buy into the whole romantic relationship part of it either. Obviously that's what's happening on screen, but there was, I will say no chemistry between the two of them no. whatsoever. <laughs> No, there was at all. There was um, none. Which you know, it, it was ki it was kind of a, a little. It was a wholesome movie. I think both these movies are very wholesome, very cute. Um, I would say, like, so I, I would definitely say that Falling for Christmas like, is super wholesome. Yeah, I don't think we needed like oodles of chemistry. We, you know, they don't even kiss until the very end. Right. They're not forced to kiss under mistletoe because their family's cheering them on. Um, what was your worst line? Because I have, I mean, I had several contenders for worst line because like, you're right. It's super wholesome. There were things that was like, this hits every mark, mm -hmm. but the script was not great. No. Like there were so many things. It was, it was, it was not great. Um, I had so many contenders for worst line. I mean, I actually, this wasn't my worst line. I just thought it was ridiculous, which was, I'm by a tapestry that goes really well with my jacket. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous line. Um, I didn't know. So, like, I didn't write down very many that I had 
problems with. Most of my problems in this movie were like little plot things. Like how does she not know how to ski? I am sorry. I understand growing up, not knowing how to ski. I lived in Denver. I was always like maligned for not knowing how to ski because I grew up in Denver. Excuse me, Denver is still two to three hours away. Yeah, I had other yeah, stuff no, going Denver is on. not Denver is not the mountains. Your father, who is clearly a very good skier, I mean, this man is in right. his sixties and is tearing it up on the slopes. Yeah, nice, nice job letting me win there. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's great, in great shape, still clearly skiing. Every chance he gets, despite running this massive business. Like, okay, if I grow up in Denver, I get that I don't ski. But if I grew up in Vail and my father owned a resort in Vail, yes. and my father is a fantastic skier, yes, I know how to ski. Like, I am on skis at age three, whether I want to be or not. I, I agree with that. I think there's there are some holes in this plot. Of course there are. Right. Um, okay, so my worst, I had, as I said, I had several worst lines because there were just some that were just not good. Like, as I said earlier, you gave up your wish for me. I'm like, that's, no. Um, but my worst line is, Sierra, I remember that name. That's my name. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, okay. Also, Sierra. Like, and Sarah, close enough Very that when somebody together. called you Sarah, with a little bit of a twang to it, you should have been like, oh, fuck, my name's Sierra. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. So I was just like, the, the whole, her whole, like, remembering thing. That was, was the worst wild. scene. It was, it was way too big. It was way too broad. I did not care for any of it. It just but happened. The, it just happened. Yeah. I don't know how amnesia works, but this is not how any other entertainment medium has no. led me to believe that amnesia works at all. No. No. It's always no. like it's always like a dramatic thing or you have to be hit on the head again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's true. I don't think like, that's true either. Also, yeah, it just literally I I didn't think it would be, oh, hear your name, see your dad, boom, done. Yeah. I don't know, but it was just like, it was wild how it was just basically like, oh, (laughs) I do remember everything immediately. And just like the, that, that I remember that name. That's my name. Just so dumb. So dumb. And delivered awfully as well. And she delivered it terribly. I mean, I think Lindsay Lohan, like Lindsay Lohan is a good actor. I I do want to just like have a moment, like. Yes, the idea of, like, Lindsay Lohan coming back to Hollywood in this Christmas movie is one thing, but, like, I think we do her a major disservice here because, like, Lindsay Lohan has, like, the the press has made this huge story up for her for decades now, mm-hmm. and, but, like, she was a good act. She is a good actress. Mm-hmm. Like, she was, like, probably the best of that in the, like, early 2000s. Like, right. I think she was the strongest actress, and, like, so why are we doing her this disservice of making it this like oh her big comeback movie and then giving her a shitty script where she's like I mean she's plays a part like it's fine she's she's fine but like let her act yeah she's a good actress and there were some really good scenes where I think she did get to dig into it a little more but yeah it was right. it was it was there were also scenes where it was like. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with this really shallow dialogue. Yeah, like let and her stuff. have 
let her have depth because she like even in Parent Trap she had depth when she was 12 years old like she's a good actress and so I felt like my biggest gripe of the movie was like if this is like Lindsay Lohan's big comeback like she is a better actress she Lindsay Lohan deserved better for so many reasons but Lindsay Lohan deserves better also this isn't this is not her first role right she was on now i'm not gonna remember the name of it she was on a british comedy with rupert grind yes she was but this was her big like having cancer oh yes hysterical i watched so funny i watched an episode of that and i was like i can't watch more of this but yeah it's very stressful you talk about like being stressed out that people are gonna get caught in the light because it's him and and nick Frost, who Nick Frost is great, just comedy gold all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the, I don't know how we, we're getting onto like a deep, deep cut here. Uh, at the end of the first episode, in order to maintain the lie that he has cancer, they end up killing someone on yeah. accident. Yeah. So now they have, and then she comes in in the second season. Yeah. Yeah. That show was stressful. I did not finish it because I, it was very stressful. I very think funny. I watched one episode and was like, Nope, can't do this. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay, so she was in that. I did not know she was in the second season of that. Um, I would go back and watch that. But, like, for her return to, like, American cinema. Right, right. Like, mm-hmm. Lindsay Lohan deserves better. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully she'll get it. I'm sure that this movie was massively successful. I hope in so. In terms of viewership. Good marketing behind it because because of that narrative of, like, mm-hmm. it's Lindsay Lohan's comeback movie. Um, and it's a Christmas movie on Netflix. Like right. those tend to do well. They're not my genre, but I know people who watch, who like, who like have a countdown to the Hallmark, like oh, yeah. Hallmark calendar and like schedule out their, what, which Hallmark movies they'll be watching when. So no, they Netflix are definitely very popular. I would say two year, two or three years ago decided they were going to go all in on this. And they were going to crack the code, and they were going to start putting theirs out. And I think it's working well for them. Every time I log into Netflix during this season, typically there's a Christmas movie in the top three. I mean, working well, yeah, probably it, they're commercially successful. I mm-hmm. think they're terrible, but commercially, oh, right, right, right. So if we're going to compare Which is the why two, I don't watch the Hallmark or the yeah. Lifetime ones either. Yeah, um, me neither. But again, like it's a th- it's. It's a certain, if that's what you're looking for, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely. I think, as we said, this, this hits all the beats. Falling for Christmas hits all the beats that you want a cheesy Christmas movie to have. It has mm-hmm. too much plot in it, which they all have too many plot devices, but also not enough, pl- right. not enough plot at the same time. Not the right right. There's exactly. too many plot devices, but not enough actual storytelling. Um, <laughs> that's like all of these are like that. It's great. So I did have a line. I don't, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say that it's my worst okay. because I understand what they were going for. And I don't think that it's really like bad. Okay. I just personally thought it was like, if this had happened in real life, if this line was said to me, mm-hmm. like, if I'm taking the, <laughs> the premise of this movie as a realistic thing, and then the dialogue that surrounds it also being a thing that someone would say. Mm-hmm. I think I would have thrown an absolute adult tantrum 
and mm-hmm. never spoken to this person again for quite a while. In the very end, they have their big final meetup at the tree. Mm-hmm. They're talking about mistletoe. They're about to kiss. Oh, yeah. And he mm-hmm. says, uh, we don't have any mistletoe. I had I was going to bring some, but I bumped my head on the way over here, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. <laughs> or he's saying, oh, there is a thing that we would kiss under or whatever, but I bumped my head on the way over. And I was just like, no, that's not cute. That's not funny. It's totally inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I think I would, if I were Lindsay Lohan, I would be like, dude, not cool. Dude. Yeah. No, I... not funny. Not cool. Agreed. Traumatic event in my life. Yes. Do not make fun of it for I at do, least another five years. I do love, like, the last, <laughs> I believe this was the last line. If not, it was the close to the last line was, what a Christmas, guys. <laughs> like, what a, what a way to end a movie. What a Christmas, guys. Ba-da-da-da. What a Christmas. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, it was a, a fun movie. Do you have other fun, fun fact, Melanie and I have discussed and started writing a Christmas movie. Ah, we have. It, we have. And I think about that, and I thought about it a lot as we were watching, especially I know, Falling I was... for Christmas. And and you're right, and and that's part of the thing is like, here's the deal, is that this whole, the whole, the set, the small set of tropes that these Christmas movies rely on for their romantic plots is typically not enough to fill a whole movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it is pretty simplistic in those, in those aspects of like how the people meet, how they fall in love. There's really only a handful of, of tropes that we're dealing with, uh, how about, about how that comes about. And so generally what you end up doing is like fleshing out all these other plot points Mm -hmm. and all these other characters and then when when you thought it was not enough all of a sudden it's too much but it's not too much like it's very hard to make it too too much and feel like really fleshed out in the actual main relationship that you're supposed to be focusing on um and especially if you want to get any comedy into it there has to be I feel like this kind of where this wasn't really all that funny. Oh, it um, tried too the hard actual, to be funny. The actual comedy that they were going for came from Tad and not yeah. like they, their, their romance wasn't funny at all. It was very typical, sweet. But like, if you want it to be a comedy, then you have to have like a gimmick. So then you're like, putting all this energy into like your gimmick and the comedy in there. And then like, Mm -hmm. you have to flesh out all these character interactions besides the main characters. And, and so it does, like I could see it very quickly becomes a lot. And I think that's kind of where we ended up. Yeah. Was very much like, all right, we build, we, we have this plot and then you start building out your scenes and all the ways that it could go, all the things that you can fill the pages with basically and then suddenly you're like whoa now now we're like way too over <laughs> yeah so so i i definitely can see like the the balancing act that these christmas movies go through and where if i feel like if you don't err on the side of too much 
then it could be it could feel really really flat and just you know I don't know I haven't seen very many of them though I yeah I think there are and I wouldn't know the name I would not know the name of what I saw because to me I think they all went together they all like it would be about the same like I definitely saw one of the so and so moves back to oh that's small the town that's the part of all and of them. the dude had a ranch I think he was also a vet. That's the plot. Literally, you're describing yeah. every single harm at yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I know. Um, and the start of every true crime podcast. But, like, <laughs> it's, there, I can't take credit for that. That was a tweet that I saw. Anyway, um, these were delightful. We are taking yeah. a bit of a hiatus, but we will be back with, like, I think officially what we would call season two in the new yeah. year. Right, Jess? Yes. So, um, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Um, as happy always, you can, new year. happy new year. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at best line, worst line, and then you could go to our website, um, bestlinewurstline.com and follow us, subscribe, rate and review on anywhere you get your podcast. Happy holidays. And thanks for listening. <laughs>